remote. I, uh, we made some bold proclamations in our worship today. Did you realize that? We, uh, we asked God to build his kingdom here. Now stop and think about that. We're asking him to build his kingdom here where we're at. Not just limited to this building, this location, but in our lives and in our nation and in our world. Thing is, when you ask God to build his kingdom, what happens to all the other kingdoms in this world? Where do they go? What happens to all the governments in this world? What happens to all the other politics in this world? The church politics, the national politics, the global politics. What happens to those kingdoms? Well, if they're to be redeemed, they need to know their rightful place in the kingdom of heaven. And you and I need to submit our kingdoms and our authority to the kingdom of God as well when we ask Him to build that kingdom. You know, Jesus has been telling us through these parables what the kingdom of heaven is like. He's been trying to bring us into this reality so that we know what it means to live in the kingdom. That sometimes we're rooted in the kingdoms and the governments and the cultures of this world. But He says you need to enter into the kingdom of heaven because that's the only one that will be eternal so he brings us a parable a parable about a mustard seed and jesus has used the the mustard seed twice he's used it to describe faith that just a just faith in the amount of a mustard seed can do amazing things but then he also uses it to describe the kingdom of heaven the reason why he picks on the mustard seed twice is because the mustard seed is that proverbial small seed. It is the classic notion of something tiny, something very small, a mustard seed, tiny little speck. And so he's using that to make a statement about the kingdom of heaven, of all things. After I've just told you that God's going to build it and how mighty and powerful it is. And what does Christ compare it to? A tiny little seed. What we think of as the smallest seed of them all. Take a look with me at Luke chapter 13 or give your attention to this very short parable. In fact, we're going to get a bonus parable today because there's two of them that go along here. It's a two-for-one sale on parables, and uh, they, they're, they're both going to work together. Give your attention to God's Word here. Jesus said, What is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It's like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden. It grows, and it becomes a tree, and the birds make nests in its branches. Jesus also asked, what else is the kingdom of God like? Well, it's like the leaven that a woman used in making bread. Even though she put just a little leaven in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. How is the kingdom of heaven like this? What is it about mustard seed and leaven that the kingdom, that, that, what is the comparison between that and the kingdom of heaven? I'm going to mention three things that I think we take away from this. One is, is that the kingdom of heaven may be unseen, but it is highly influential. Far more influential than what we may at first see. Uh, the second thing fits very well with seeds and bread. It grows organically or naturally. 
And I'm not talking about the quality of the food. I'm not saying that it's free of GMOs, soy, uh, gluten, or anything like that. I'm saying that there is a natural growth to this kingdom. We'll get to that in a second. And finally, what you notice in these short little parables is that the kingdom of heaven is beneficial in some way. It has a good effect. And it's abundant. So abundant that it's shared with others. So let's, let's, let's notice these, uh, these, these three things. First of all, it's unseen, but it is influential. Now, what do we consider influential? When we think of somebody who's influential, or when we think of an organization that's influential, what sort of criteria do we attach to that? Maybe we would say that someone who's influential is powerful. Maybe what we would typically say is that someone who's influential is very attractive. Maybe what we would typically say is someone who's influential has a lot of resources. Wealth. Land. Intelligence. But these aren't the things that Jesus considers influential. He describes influence as a tiny little mustard seed. He describes influence as leaven. Leaven. What is leaven? One of those Bible words, leaven. Well, now, if you've got an up-to-date translation, it'll say yeast. You know, and most of you, if you're using yeast, you buy them in those packets in the store. You still don't see it. Tiny little grains. What we know, because we know microbiology, we know that yeast are tiny little organisms. And they make bread rise up, and they make cakes rise up. Because of their biological processes. But think about the ancient world. They don't have microscopes. They're not looking at microorganisms. They just know that there's something that makes bread rise if you'll leave it out. Now, if any of you have ever done sourdough and you've had that sourdough starter, and I remember my, my mother and my grandmother used to do this, and you take some leavened dough from one batch and you mix it into another and it doesn't take much and that microorganism grows but in the ancient world they just know that you do this you take this you put this over here and they've got these processes for doing the same thing and guess what they don't have to have a degree in biology they don't see it but they see the effect and I think Jesus is telling us you may not immediately recognize the kingdom of heaven but it's influential I want you to think about the statements that we often make about the influence, the mission, and the purpose of the church. I've got two statements up there on the screen. The first one says this, we are Christians who provide spiritual goods and services in the name of the church. The second one says, we are the church that blesses the world in the name of Christ. Now, on the face of it, both those statements sound good. It talks about providing spiritual things. It talks about good things. It talks about Christ. It talks about the church. But I'm going to tell you that only one of those is a truly kingdom statement. Now, I'll admit to you that I have, I have used and subscribed to the first one, the one in the blue box. I've said stuff like that before. And there was a time when I really had that in my head, that that's what I was going to do. It was back in Lake Jackson, and we had a, some of you have heard me tell this story, but it's new for some of you. 
Either way, how about I get through it so we can move on? So anyway, the, uh, th- there was a house next to our church property at Lake Jackson that had burned down. And we were all moved by compassion, and it was genuine, and we wanted to help this family. But we thought that since our property is adjacent to theirs, we should do the lion's share of the benevolence. And so we had all of the money brought together to help this family. We were on Church Row in Lake Jackson, right there on Center Way. Not Center Way, but Center Way. That was the name of the street, and there were four churches. And my friend Alan was the minister at the Presbyterian Church next door. Alan knew about this fire. He came over and he said, our congregation has gathered up some money, and we want to share it with this family. Well, we had already done a very generous work, so me and my blue box up there, I said, Alan... Thank you for that, but I think the Lake Jackson Church of Christ has this covered. We're going to take care of this. Alan didn't take to that very well, and uh, he, he, just, he just sort of stiffened up, and he was an Englishman, and he just goes, I really don't care. And he goes, you know, I really don't care about this, and I can't do his accent, but he said, I really don't care. He says, I just want these gifts. He goes, you can add them to your own. He says, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to us. We just want them to be given in the name of Christ. Now that humbled me, because there I was thinking that we had to do something good to prove that the church was, was something, that it was an influential organization in the community. But Alan had it right. What we need to do needs to be done in the name of Christ. And when we do that, we're really tracking with the kingdom. See, I'm concerned that when we, and it's not that we don't want people to think well of our congregation. It's not that we don't want people to think well of the bride of Christ. All of that is fine. But Jesus told us that we don't have any guarantee that people are going to think well of us. He told us that we could be persecuted, and in parts of this world, the bride of Christ, the church, is persecuted. That could happen in this country. That could happen here on a large scale or on a small scale. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's not our mission to win people's favor to us. That is not our mission. Our mission is to tell people about Christ so that they will glorify him and acknowledge him as Lord. That's what we do. And we have to do that by doing that. So the kingdom way is to be influential even if you and I are unseen. Even if you and I are unseen, let us do everything that we do in the name of Christ. And I think that this gets us to a place where we start seeing influence, not something that we have to manage or control, but influence is the work of the Spirit and the work of Christ who influences people. You know, right now, I think all of us are desirous of reaching out to someone. All of us can think of someone, a neighbor, someone who goes to school with us, someone who's at work with us, and we really want that person to know Christ. And sometimes we get nervous and we think, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to really convince them? You know what you could do? The first thing you could do is trust that God is working on that person. Why don't you pray? Why don't you pray that God works in you, that he's influential in your life, and that he's also influential in that person's life? And if you will pay attention to what Christ is doing, you might be surprised at how this takes place. Some of you have met my friend Paul Kreitz, who uh, is a missionary in Guatemala. One of my favorite stories that Paul tells is he tells the story that he was all fired up and he was ready to share the gospel with someone. So he was setting out from Searcy to over to Russellville, and he was on his way in his truck there, and he said, Lord, I want you to show me someone today that I can share the gospel with. 
And so he's driving along, and he, noticed, he, he stops to get some gas, and he has some people there in the truck stop, and they start talking to him, and they start talking to him about his journey. They start talking to him about uh, where he's going to and that he'd been studying school and to, to religion. He'd been studying religion. He'd been studying to be a, a missionary or a minister. And so he gets back in his truck, and he heads off on his journey, and he says, you know, Lord, I pray that you'd put somebody in my path today, somebody I can share the gospel with, somebody that I can, you know, maybe share the good news with. And then he notices uh, when he stops to get gas a second time, there's someone there, a woman's having trouble with the pump, and so he goes over there and he he helps her get the pump started. There was a little problem. He goes in, he talks to the attendant, he says, let's get this thing going. And she says, well, thank you very much, you've been so friendly. And he says, no, not a problem, not a problem at all. He goes back on his journey and he says, Lord, would you put somebody in my path today that I can share the gospel with, somebody that I can tell the good news to? And then he notices somebody with a flat and he pulls over to help them. And then that person says, you know, you must have been sent by God today. And he says, that's when it hit him. He goes, oh, gee whiz, I almost struck out twice, God, you know, three times. Sometimes we make it harder than it needs to be. Let's be influential and trust in Christ's power to be influential, not in our own ability to work our influence or the influence of our group. The other thing that we learn from the seed and from the leaven is that growth and success of the kingdom may be very different than what we measure. I said that the kingdom grows organically. What do we mean by that? It means that the kingdom of heaven does not grow by force. It does not grow by coercion. It does not grow by political strength. I'm always amazed, and I'm so thankful that this doesn't happen anymore, but I'm always amazed at church leaders who count baptisms like, like, uh, like they're gunslingers and they put notches on a belt. How many did you baptize? This is how many I've baptized. Somebody else says, well, I baptized this many. Oh, you win the prize. It's not about how many people we baptize. The Apostle Paul said he didn't even remember how many people he baptized. You read in 1 Corinthians, he goes, I can't remember if I baptized any of you, except for Crispus and Gaius. And who's going to forget two guys named Crispus and Gaius? I mean, you're going to remember that, okay? There's going to be some of those baptisms that are memorable. But Paul's point was, that's not the emphasis. The emphasis is on coming to Christ and the growth that happens because of what Christ is doing active in this world. King Charlemagne was one of the most powerful kings of the Middle Ages. If you want a baptismal record, give it to Charlemagne. They say that Charlemagne, when he took over a uh, territory, he wanted to baptize all the infidels there, so he lined them up and he marched them into a river, some thousands of them, and he says, now you're all baptized. Okay, that's a great method. Why haven't we thought of that methodology yet when it comes to evangelism? Probably because we understand that it's bogus. That's growth by force. The kingdom of heaven does not grow that way. You plant the little mustard seed. You mix the leaven into the dough. And in its own time and in its own way, with the growth and the future that is locked into that seed, with the potential that's already locked into that leaven, it grows. The kingdom of heaven can grow in places where we don't think it can grow. We often wonder, well, you know, these people are receptive, these people are not. Who's to say? Who's to say? God will grow his kingdom. He will build his kingdom where he wills, how he wills, how he chooses. He is sovereign like that, and we need to trust in that. Organizational, mechanical growth is based on an emphasis on institutional structures, on managing stability and manipulating the future. 
I'm so thankful that we learned lessons. In the 14 years we've been working with this campus ministry, I am so glad that we waited on God. You can hear any of us who were involved in it then tell you the story. We thought the first thing we had to do is we had to get a campus center. Why, you're not a campus ministry until you have a campus center, which isn't true, by the way. But we thought we had two good opportunities, one, two, and they both failed. They were both opposed. And then later on when this property came up over here, it's kind of like Paul, my friend, and the, and the three strikes, you're out. It's like, whoo, glad those other two didn't work out because that was the one we needed to wait on. Now, you do not become a ministry or a movement. You do not become the kingdom because you build a structure and because you can manage it and because you can manipulate processes. We are the kingdom of heaven when we have an emphasis on spirit and discipleship. You know, however many... We, we focus sometimes on the wrong measures of growth. It's, I think it's good. I appreciate you doing those cards so that we can know that you're here. Now, the attendance count that we do shouldn't be the end of the meaning of that. If we say we have 500 people today or if we say we have 600 people today, okay, that's great, but what does that mean? That means some of you are here rather than somewhere else. Okay, that's what it means. That's about all it means if all you're looking at is attendance. But we do believe that the more often you're here gathering with your friends and your family at church, we do believe that the more often you're involved with spiritual things that you do grow as a disciple. We believe that that's true. Christ teaches us that that's true. The scriptures teach us that there's some benefit in that. And when we, So what we're measuring is not so much attendance, we're measuring discipleship. And we believe that each and every one of you has within you a future that God locks into you. A future that, that is not just determined, predetermined, other than the fact that God has intended for you to do good things in his name. Look right there. Prepare for works of service to build up his body. How about that purple one over there? God made us in Christ to do good works. We studied Ephesians a few months ago. God has a plan for this world, and that plan can include you. But it's an organic growth. It's a success that is not measured the same way that we measure success in the world. You know, by the way, there's two verbs that are always connected to the kingdom of God, as far as we're concerned. You enter it, you receive it. Never does it say we are responsible for building the kingdom of God. That's why that song is so right on. We ask God to build the kingdom here because you and I aren't qualified. We're not capable of building the kingdom. All we can do is enter into it and receive it. We accept it. We, get, we have the leaven, the seed implanted in us, and we grow along with it. Finally, oh, by the way, here's, here's another just an indication of how different kingdom growth is from the growth that we look at in the world when paul's writing to the corinthians he he doesn't get very far in the letter at all and he says to the corinthians god chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise god chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong god chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it's written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. 
The growth comes from God. Now, did you notice, though, what God chooses? The foolish things, the weak things, the things that are lowly, the things that are despised. What are those things? Well, if you keep reading in Corinthians, he says, some of that is you. (laughs) Some of that's us. Some of that, we are the ones that maybe no one would bet on. We are the ones that no one would think, well, they don't have a shot at this. They're not the people who can do this. But God often chooses those people and shames the worldly wisdom. You know, if you have had that experience, you need to give credit to God. Give, you know, boast in God. Boast about what he's done. One of the things we're not always real comfortable with is this thing called testimony, okay? And I understand testimony can become very uh, uh, self-aggrandizing. You can really make a big deal about yourself out of it. That's bad testimony. Good testimony says, look, I am everything that I am because of what God has done in me. Now, don't you think Paul himself could have said this? Wasn't he worthy of shame because of what he had done? But God worked in his life. And shame those who said, well, you can't have that. You can't have that guy representing Christ after everything that he's done. He's not qualified, but God used him. And the testimony, the story, the witness about him gave glory to God. You look throughout the Old Testament, people that we would say aren't qualified. Those are the ones that God uses. God's got this great idea. He's going to build a nation. Who's he going to get? Who's he going to line up to get them on his team to build a nation? Now, if I was advising God, I'd say, hey, get the 16-year-old kid, okay? We've got to build a nation. We want a guy who's got a lot of years ahead of him, okay? And by the way, while we're at it, let's give him about 10 wives. Let's do that, all right? We'll have a reality show after this thing's all over. This is great. But what does God choose? He chooses a guy who's well into his 70s and doesn't even really kick the plan into, into place until he's hitting 100. And his wife can't even have children. Why would God do that? Because he's showing everybody if this happens, it's all because of the power of the kingdom of heaven. Now, if that's true then, why isn't that true now? Why do we rest on our ability and our powers? Why don't we trust in God? So the next time, next time you're beating yourself up, the next time you're beating everything, we, well, we just can't do this. We can't do that. We don't have the resources. We don't have the right people. We don't have what it takes. You know what? We may not. But do we have the mustard seed? Do we have the leaven of the kingdom of heaven? The answer to that is yes. And we just can trust in that. Finally, the way, that's the way of the kingdom. The kingdom is beneficial. It's abundant. You know, one of the reasons why we can trust in God, trusting in God is not some sort of um, consolation prize. I always felt sorry for people on game shows when they'd lose. Because they'd always say that thing, oh, we've got some wonderful prizes for you. Rice-a-roni, the San Francisco treat. You know? <laughs> you know that every time that those people went to the cupboard and they had some of that rice-a-roni, it's like, uh-huh, you know, the, the dinner of losers. You know, it's like, you know, could have had a car, but instead I get rice. Sometimes that's the way we do the kingdom of heaven, sadly. Well, yeah, it would be good to have all this money. It would be good to have all the resources. It would be good to be in the right location and just have tons of people knocking down our door. Well, at least we got the kingdom of heaven. That's something, isn't it? Yeah. Truth of the matter is, the kingdom of heaven is better than all those other things we focus on. We get covetous and we get, we get very concerned. And Oh, if only we had a facility like those people. You know, if only we had a really good preacher. You know, if, if only... 
If only we had lots of resources. If only we, you know, then we could do so much. No. You, you know what? We would be limited. If we had all of that, we would be limited. And before you know it, we would be into the business of management. We would be running Church of Christ Incorporated. We would be, we would be running an institution and an organization, and we would stop trusting in God. Instead, what happens when you plant the mustard seed, when you mix in the leaven, you get an abundance you didn't count on. And you know what? These parables, if you stop and think about it, people have tried to clean these parables up. We grew mustard in our garden on the farm. And I'll tell you, if a bird sat on that mustard plant, he would have crushed it, even one of those little ones. Mustard plants are little, little bitty old dinky things. So I guess Jesus just doesn't know farming or something. All of a sudden, he's talking about this big bush. And then everybody wants to say, you know, oh, no, mustard seeds in Israel. I mean, they turn into these huge trees. They're bigger than redwoods. Okay, wait, we don't have to have science on our side. Don't you think maybe Jesus is saying something? And what about that three measures of flour? What's that all about? Let me tell you, this woman must be running a bakery or she's feeding an army. Three measures of flour. Well, that's reasonable. Three measures of flour. And everybody's arguing over what a, th- what a measure of flour is. And you can go, you can look up the, the Greek word. We really don't know about ancient measurements all the time, what they are. It's probably something like three or four gallons or 13 liters, whatever a liter is, okay? Imagine 13 liter bottles of Coke, okay? It's, uh, you know, it's a lot. There's a lot. That's why some translations will say 60 pounds of flour. Who is she feeding that she has to have 60 pounds of flour? I'm picturing Granny from Beverly Hillbillies and Jeff Rose in there at the dinner table. 60 pounds of flour, what's going on? The point is, from this tiny little thing that no one would count on, little bitty seed from this unseen batch of leaven, it permeates a large amount. Jesus also, he, you know what, he does know what he's talking about. I just, there's a news flash for you. Jesus does know what he's talking about, and what he knows is he knows his scripture. And there's a scripture in Ezekiel that talks about the mighty cedars of Lebanon. And God says, on the mountain heights of Israel, I will plant it, and it will produce branches, and it will bear fruit, and it will become a splendid cedar. And birds of every kind will nest in it, and they will find shelter in the shade of its branches. Is God literally planting trees? No. This isn't just God going green. This isn't just God being, you know, eco-friendly. This is an image of the restoration of Israel, the restoration of a great nation. And all those birds are going to be all those lost Gentile people. And they're going to come in and they're they're going to find a place to rest in the branches of this mighty tree. Jesus has incorporated this image And he's combined it with his mustard seed image. That he's saying, you don't see it because all you see is a tiny little mustard seed. But let me tell you, it's going to become the greatest tree around. And those lost people like the birds are going to come and they're going to find refuge in it. And there's a lot of dough there. And what are we going to do with all of it? Well, it doesn't take much leaven to get that dough going. And we're going to make tons of bread. So it's beneficial and it's abundant. It's going to help people. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. You know, if you need to find rest, if you need leaven in your life, I know leaven sometimes stands for sin, but sometimes leaven is all about the Spirit of God. Sometimes it's, that, it's all about that activity of God, that activity that makes a difference. 
Today on this day, what we want to do is we want to provide an opportunity for someone to pray for you. We want to provide an opportunity for you to know that God can work in your life and you're not disqualified. But if you'll come to him with faith, just that mustard seed faith, then you can be a part of the mustard seed kingdom and be a part of God's activity in this world. Let's stand and let's sing together. And if you need to respond, you can meet with the elders in room 100 or come right up here and talk to these elders who will be here.